0: Get closer to one another. And, uh, we're gonna come from the, uh, offering. That's great. So, we're gonna pray for the offering. So, Father, we thank you for, uh, um, the abundance of your heart. We ask that you bless us with, uh,
1: of your abundance.
0: We ask That you, uh, build the offerings of our hearts. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right.
2: All right. thank you. You got me off guard. I was in the back room. Um, welcome to the village. Um, remember our, uh, we have our prayer conference call Tuesdays and Thursday nights from 7 to 8. Check the website for. The uh, phone number and the bridge uh, number to get in, Labridge.org. Um, also, keep uh, Gary and Karen and prayer as they're um, away visiting the family again. We have our special speaker, Pastor Sigi. Um Right now... Um, you said you have some stories about what God's doing in your life. Glory stories or testimonies. Now you to come up. Okay. Hello? Cheers. All right. Well, I actually have about three. So you can start. I'm just going to blah, blah for a, a long time. So you just go ahead.
1: Um, I do have an amazing Lord's story and a uh, testimony. I'll be brief. I um, think, you know, Gary's been speaking on uh favor for the last three weeks. Monday morning, um, I woke up and said, uh, Lord, I know oh, I have favor. I want to see the manifestation of your favor this week in my life said, I want to see it. Um, and God is so good. I have been a little, I don't want to say heavy, but a little concerned. I have a checking account that's been overdrawn. And um, excess of $357 for a really days. date. And I said, Lord, um, we need this taken care of. Wednesday morning I woke up and I heard, I just, you know, I heard the Holy Spirit say, you know what? Call them call them, ask them to reverse the charges, just call them, you know, it happened. So I called Bank of America. Um, I had a couple of debits going against my account that should not have. When I started inquiring about the debits to the agent, she looked, she says, well, a- I thought it was 1% particular habit that overthrew my account and then snowballed and, you know. But she says, no, there was actually another debit that went against your account on the 25th. Uh, for such and such amount and I I said, Well, what's the name of you know, what's the name of uh, the company? She she gave me the name of the company and said, I'm not familiar with that company. I don't know I don't know what that is. She says, Really? She says, Well, not only did they debit your account in August, they debited your account in July. I said, Really? I said, I don't know what that is. She says, Well, I'm gonna to transfer you to the fraud department. She transferred me to the fraud department and Sure enough, this agent helped me figure out that they not only had this company debited my account for two months, this company without my authorization had debited my account since November of last year. And uh needless to say I was I was livid. I was upset, I was. And we called the company, the company said, No problem, you know, we'll put the credit, we'll put it into your account. Uh, not only did they put that money back in my account, which just wasn't, it wasn't a lot. It was uh, only like $207 total. But Bank of America, they credited back to my account um, every overdraft fee that this company has charged. Um, yeah, this company has uh, cost. And uh, there were other fees uh, that Bank of America credited to my account, the total was over $650, which is such a, God is so good, um, which is a blessing. Um, so it got a strong status. I have a 2nd checking account that I had a $2 in, and uh, I just happened to call. I don't know why I called. I just called. I knew it was in the bank, so I thought, and I called that account, um, and I called that account, there was a hundred dollars deposit in my account. I don't know who put the money in my account. I'm still trying to figure out who put that money in my account. And i the family member who I thought put it in my account, she's like, "No, who that?" She's like, "I knew I wanted to bless you, but you know, maybe God just knew I wanted to bless you." But there was a um, hundred dollars deposit in my account. So praise God. Um, second testimony: I had a bill over eleven thousand dollars. And I said, Lord, I can't take this bill right now. And you so can tell I was, you know, been battling cancer all week, all year, and could not work. I was briefly on SSI, got cut off, so I just could not call the bill. And Lord said, call them. I called, I thought there would be a major, you know, confrontation or something of that sort. And the lady said, listen, just tell me, I just tell some papers, some proof, to uh, my office of your financial situation, and the gift will be from heaven, basically. And you know what? I just want to encourage those today. I don't care if it's credit card debt. I don't care what type of debt. I challenge you today to step out on faith and call something better, and you'll be surprised the favor of God. You'll be surprised at the favor of God that will go before you. And hopefully, I will not be the first one to give this, this forgiveness testimony. But I believe by faith, uh, it's a small remnant today, but just put set the order, I just encourage you, whether it's this week or next week, step out in faith. You'll be surprised what God has done for you. You're using this favor, and God is faithful. Oh, I just encourage you. I don't care if the debt $10,000, I don't care if the debt is $50,000. God is faithful. What He did for one, He do for the other. God bless you.
2: Hello, Wayne. Okay, so we might as well start with Wayne, actually. I was going to leave him from last. but um, So, I don't know how many of you know my partner in crime here, but we've been together since 2002 on worship on Sundays. And if you're familiar with Wayne at all, you've um, seen Wayne walk a little weird for about a year. So Wayne is not the most... That uh, incredible downhill snow skiing person I know. And um, they pulled him off a mountain a while back and told him, your hip needs to replace him. So they replaced his hip. And he went worse. This is really uh <clears> of <throat> an easy thing to say. But, um, <clears throat> so they sent Wayne to right for a And <clears> he <throat> around. That's God. Wayne Wayne was in surgery like a few weeks ago, and he's driving and walking. The last time we did this to him, it was months, and he sort of looked like an extra from Gunsmoke. So, um, so that's God. And we're really happy to have him back. Okay. Second thing that happened this week: I um, teach for Santa Monica Mountain Unified. And I teach percussion, which takes up a lot of them. And they gave me a classroom a little bit larger than our bathroom here. And um didn't make me real happy. And then they gave me a teacher in the classroom next to me who hates drums. Okay. She answers, he's the name of Happy. So the principal said, Can you keep your doors closed, your windows closed, and you do some air conditioning, and you you not make a lot of noise while you're teaching drums? So this went on for about a year. And the lady in the room on the other side of me decided that she was going to retire. So we gave me the largest classroom on campus just And my neighbor on one side of me is the auditorium is empty when I teach. The neighbor on the other side of me is a bathroom. And the principal said, Open your doors and windows, make all the noise you like. So that's pretty amazing. And um, this lady came to me. That classroom I used to have. And they, I'm with ADD, ADHD, SLD, oh, they got so many Ds I don't even know what they mean anymore. So um there's these kids on campus that are so messed up. You like, you can't even look at them, it's hard to do. You have a kind of kid who's like, blind, autistic, and has fake legs. I mean, what are you gonna do with that kid, right? So they come to the music room, and they always look in, and they don't keep music. So I went to the principal and his class is called IS. I have no idea what that means, but it must be extremely messed up children. And these four kids will do anything to play music, and they can't. So I went to the principal and said, can I give a music class to these kids? He said, well, have you ever done it? I said, well, has anybody ever done it? He said, well, no. But what do the classroom teachers think? And I said, well, you keep borrowing instruments and none of them can play, so um you get the shoe in. So we got these kids in my room, and now we have about four or five of them who will play for about ten or fifteen minutes. And with them, that's like two lifetimes of teaching span. So now this is a regular class, and they have it every Monday after lunch. And now I have all these wonderful new musicians to deal with. So that's God. Because if can't talk, you certainly weren't going to say, I want to play drums. And there's a one little girl who they, we've had for three years. She learned how to say bye So when she walks into the class, I say, hi, Gabby. And she says, bye-bye. She said, you want to play piano or drums? And she says, bye-bye. Doesn't no matter what I say, she says, bye-bye. i was so excited when she said that that she figures it's the all-encompassing thing to say, I guess. So, so that was pretty amazing. On Thursday, as if my week wasn't good enough, we got to meet with an incredible jazz piano player named Alfredo Rubacaba, And... Alfredo just got a new job and he was in charge of the Los Angeles office of the Professional Musicians Union. Now if any of you ever have been in a union, you know if anything happens to you, it's like you're going to hell forever and ever. You can never be in the union again unless you pay these astronomical fines and go to court and have attorneys and so years back somebody got into a confrontation with yeah, me I did. I know this is hard for you to believe, but I actually lost my temper. And at that moment, I was given really the gift to not only freely associate, but shares all of my feelings about this person at that moment. And I found out the next day that his dad was on the board of directors of the union in Detroit. So after much... Litigation and mediation and all these other Asians that I wasn't familiar with. They told me I owed them thousands of dollars and they were taking away my union card. Now, the union in Detroit is kind of like the mafia in Chicago in about 1940. So, you really can't argue with those people. And I mean, they were tied up with the Teamsters, so. It's kind of tough when the person is negotiating because of the likes of Jimmy Hoffa. So I spent twenty years not being allowed to play a union gig. This is what I do. So Alfredo went into the computer and found out that the person who had caused me all this grief was no longer affiliated with the union and had done quite a number of questionable things himself. So they wiped my slate clean. According to the records, I've never been in the union. I'm a brand new musician. About an hour later, I walked out of the hall on Halloween time with a union work card. No fees owed. No litigation, meditation, mediation. I just got the card and just don't go out and play music and have fun. And so said, there must be some kind of fee to join and you the dues and all that stuff. And so he hooked me up with the secretary, and she said, here's a guy from Detroit. And I said, yeah. She said, well, give us $50 and you can go. So that must have been God as well. So this has been a pretty amazing week. So I can just encourage you that what stuff seems really crazy... And you're given a five pound box to put forty pounds of stuff in. Try not to, as I do quite often, lose your temper for the association share. Instead, just talk to God, because I did a lot of that quite after I lost my temper, unfortunately. And now I have a great classroom, a good music class that rocks. I'm in the strongest union. LA Union feared musician is better than New York. And I got Wayne back. Okay, now we want to invite Pastor Stevie to come up.
0: Good morning. i not used to being called pastor. It feels weird. Alright. Let's, uh, ask the Lord to speak to us today.
3: I think somebody already did all the,
0: uh, glorious stories. Cause that's what I'm going to talk about, but let's ask for his presence.
2: Father, we thank you. We thank you that you
0: are the provider. There's only riches in your kingdom. There is nothing that you lack in your kingdom, and we belong to you. So we ask for your presence among us. We ask that you come right now. Cleanse this place and speak to us. We ask that you open up our ears, that we will be able to hear what you have to say. Father, we put a ring of protection around our ears and place right now in the north, in the south, in the east, and the west, above and below and everywhere in between. And we ask that your presence fall to the extent that we will not go out of here without seeing you today, Father, without hearing your provision for us. Send your angels, Father, to minister to us at this moment. May your word come and do what it has to do, and that it will not come back to you empty, that it will renew our mind, will change our spirit, will give us life and strength, and we will go out there with hope and with peace. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, um, Gary asked me to continue talking about, uh, faith because that's a series that we've been talking about, and, um, I was, uh, I was asking the Lord when I started to write this sermon that I wanted to talk out of my own experience, that I didn't want to talk about something that I didn't know, that I wanted to talk about the things that God has done in my life. And so um, the Lord started to speak to me about um, why, why is the reason that sometimes we hear that we have the faith of God and don't receive it. And the Lord started to speak to me about who he is. It's nature and the reason why poverty steals blessings that belong to us. So um I wanna start with um defining some words. Um in English it's my second language. I am always going to the dictionary. Trying to figure out okay, if I say the right word here then I'm writing the email. So I I love looking uh the meaning of, uh, words. So I look for the meaning of favor in, in the Encarta World English Dictionary. It has, uh, a few definitions of what favor is. The first one is, it's a, kind, it's a kind act. An act of kindness performed or granted out of goodwill. And so I went to the Bible and I said, uh, do this all the time, Lord. And this example that I could find was Second Samuel 2.6. It says, May the Lord God show you kindness and faithfulness. And I, too, will show you the same favor because you have done this. The second meeting is approving attitude. an proven friendly or supportive attitude. And, attitude. and uh, that was a little bit more complicated And I found this amazing example of Noah in the Bible. That God was at a time when Noah existed in a time in which he really regretted making humankind because nobody was seeking him. And so the Bible describes the feelings of God towards his creation. And then he's like, I'm done with his creation because they don't look at me. They don't seek me. And then, he looked at Noah. And in some of the versions, it says, Noah found favor in the eyes of God. But, in the message version of the Bible, Genesis 6-8 says, But Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. Okay? Alright. The first meaning of favor is preference. is preference treatment shown to somebody this is pretty much what we've been um, hearing in the last uh, few weeks. I'm going to ask Lois to read Exodus 33.
3: Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. To the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you, because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. The people heard these distressing words they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. The Lord had said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, for a moment I might destroy you. Now, take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Hor, And Moses used it to take a tent and put it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. While the Lord spoke with Moses, whenever the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. and Moses had returned to the camp, his young age Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, leave these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. And Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. He said, You cannot see my face, for no man... And, see me and live. And the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover it with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back but my face must not be seen. Thank you.
0: I wanted us to share the whole story for a reason. This was a time in which the people of Israel have been taken out of Egypt. And they spent 40 years in the desert, and they still didn't understand God. They didn't understand the nature of God, and they were still rebellious because they didn't understand who their God was. And even though at the beginning God said, I'm just going to let you go to the land, and you do whatever you want, You're on your own Moses came and said, would you please come with us? If you don't come, how in the world are people going to know that you're the real God? And this is exactly the nature of the favor of God. Because of one person was gutsy enough to say, you come to us, otherwise I don't cross that border. Because of one person, the millions of people of Israel were able to cross the land. God not only favored one, he favored them all. That is the preferential treatment that we have.
1: That is a preferential
0: treatment that god if God is with us, even though we don't understand who God is, God is still is going to protect us. No matter what. Isn't that awesome? And he will keep doing it and doing it until we understand who he is. He is abundance, he is life, he is prosperity, his multiplication, his addition. In him there is no negative. And he will bless not only you, but your boss. And your co-workers and your family and everybody who is around you, even though they don't understand who He is, God will bless them because of you. And if you're gachi and you say, you'll me and you come with me and with them, the favor of God will be even more abundant. Isn't that awesome? I just think it is really interesting that in the message version of the Bible, when Moses is talking in the same passage, and this is the way Moses speaks to God. And God spoke to Moses face to face as neighbors speak to one another. And Moses said to God, Look, you tell me, Leave these people, but you don't let me know who you're going to send with me. You tell me I know you well If you're special to me. If I am so special to you, let me in your pants. That way, I will continue being special to you. Don't forget, this is your people's responsibility. Wow, that's fantastic, isn't it? To say to God, hey, these are your promises. You told me all that special. Then show it to me. And then, um, this is very really interesting. Because when we're going uh, through areas in which we're struggling to see the favor of God, most people will see the favor of God in us, but us. This is uh, in Genesis 30, 27, talks about um, Jacob but, uh, even with his father-in-law, Laban. And he was struggling to understand what the heck is going on. I have two wives. I want to make my own life. And what's going on? I can't. And, and all these things have been taken away from me. And he was in a struggle, in a turmoil inside. But what does his father-in-law says? He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, please stay. I have learned by divination, that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Isn't that amazing? That God blesses us with favor and with a lot of things, and sometimes we don't see it. Others do, but don't. So, the fourth meaning of favor is token of loyalty we have uh, Genesis Twenty one. And Joseph's
3: master took him and put him in prison, a place where the state prisoners were confined. So he was there in the prison. But the Lord was, was, was with Joseph and showed him mercy and loving kindness and gave him favor in the sight of the wardens of the prison. And the wardens of the prison committed to Joseph's care all the prisoners who were in prison. And whatsoever was done there, he was in charge of it. The prison warden paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge. So the Lord was with him to make whatever he did to prosper.
0: I love Joseph. Joseph's example because he's is a man who had favor with his father. He always had special clothes. He was, you know, the youngest, and the father was just so. He was, he was his favorite. And so here he is, everybody's jealous, he sends him off, he becomes a slave, and then he was really treated uh, in the house of Potiphar because they his wife, Potiphar's wife, wanted to sleep with him, and she refused to because he wanted to honor the guy. And so what happens to him? He comes from bad to worse, and even worse, he's in jail. But instead of looking at what he sees around, he started, I assume that in jail he had a lot, a lot of time to think. And what does he do? He knew that the favor of God was with him. And he started to work in favor of God to his advantage. And I don't know how many years he spent in jail, jail, but I'm sure it was a few. Out of that, he became second in command in Egypt. And sometimes when we are in a season in which we can't see the favor of God,
1: I think uh, that Joseph is a great
0: example. Just keep asking for God's favor. Wherever you are, Even if it's lower and lower, and you feel like you're deeper, deeper in the darkest place, just keep asking. God doesn't take the favor away from you or me. Because the favor is not up to you. The favor is a gift from God. It's a token of loyalty. So, um, one thing that I found really interesting while looking up all all these uh, passages was that I found that in two places in the Bible, the word favor is, uh, from the Hebrew, is uh, translated as respect. And I thought that was very interesting, that God says, I have respect for you. And I want to give you these examples. Uh, Respect, and I just and the word. Respect means a condition of being esteemed or honored to be held in respect. So what is a condition? It's a position, a rank, or a social status. So when we have the favor of the Lord, we are put in a social status that is called highly favored. That is our social status. Amen. Can you say amen to that? That it doesn't matter how much you have on earth, your social status is highly favored. So, Genesis 4, 4 and 5, tells the story of um, Abel and Cain. And uh, this was the first time somebody was sacrificing something to God, and both brothers came with their offerings. And it says there, but Abel, Brought bought portions from some of the first corn of his hog. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast.
1: His favor
0: here is respect. So he offered something to God. Does he see our offering with respect? What does that entitle? What is it that God looks at when we come to him? that makes him look at us with respect? Can we read uh, Leviticus 26, 3
3: 13? If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, And the ground will yield its crops, and the trees of the field their fruit. Your threshing will continue until great harvest, and the great harvest will continue until planting. And you will eat all the food you want, and live in safety in your land. I will grant peace in the land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. I will remove savage savage beasts from the land, and the sword will not pass through your country. You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. I will look on you with favor, and make you fruitful, and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest, and you will have to move it out to make room for the new. I will put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you, and be your God, and you will be my people. For I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Thank you.
0: So, I wanted to bring you our attention to Davidica because Jesus your God who describes what favor is and more respect comes again from the keeper. And so, basically, what God is saying is, if you pay attention to me and obey what I say, I will do the same for you. I will give you respect. I will give you my full attention. I'll make sure you prosper, make sure you grow in numbers, and keep my covenant with you in good, working order. I just thought it was fascinating that we can earn the respect of God just by doing that by paying attention to what he wants and what he says to us. So Jesus who God is and what his favor means. So I wanted also to know what the opposite of favor was. And so um give me an example of what is the opposite of God favor yes. 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 Perhaps rejection. Yes. Yes. Abandonment. Yes. 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 Condemnation. It's with art. Judgment, yes. It's being at a loss. It's like not being, it's like being unbalanced, isn't it? It's like instead of having something that you feel proud of, you feel like you're in a way, in a place in which nobody's looking at you, as they are. It's only a negative thing. So what encompasses all these qualities? I will see the answer. <laughs> what encompasses all these qualities is the spirit of poverty. What is the meaning of poverty? According to the Incarnate World English Dictionary, Poverty is the state of being poor, the state of not having enough money to take care of basic needs such as food, and It is uh, lack of efficiency or lack of something, poverty of emotion, infertility of soil, lack of soil, fertility, or nutrients. So what is really a care of poverty? It's lack, right?
1: And uh, in
0: Revelation 28, 8-10, it says, the angel of the church of Smyrna write: These are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. Isn't that interesting? Poverty is a state of mind. How can we know this for sure? The Deuteronomy 28, it says, Therefore in hunger and thirst, in nakedness, desire of poverty, you will serve the enemies the Lord sends against you. He will put an iron yoke on your neck till he has destroyed you. What does that mean? An iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. That's what poverty has to all of us. Genesis 2:25 it says, the "Man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame." But in Genesis 3:1 through 6, when man falls, this is what it says. Say it again. Oh, Genesis So, the serpent comes and says, you don't really have everything. God said, here it is, your paradise. You have everything. But here comes the serpent and says, you don't really have everything. If you were like God, then you would. It's so the woman, Eve, saw the tree, it's good for food and pleasing to the eye. It's also desirable for gaining
1: wisdom.
0: What does that mean? The spirit of poverty puts you in want. You have a need. You are in want because you're not complete. And so, if what like, what did she say? I can't resist them. She wasn't wanting. I want to be like God. So what happened? They took and ate. And what happened? They realized that they were naked. This is what the spirit poverty does to us. What's the want? says you don't have? You're in one, you need this and this and that, and when you go for it, you <laughs> try to satisfy it. You only realize you only need more, because you're still naked. And so what happened, even then, after then, they figure out that, when Adam and Eve came and he didn't ask God to be their provider anymore. God had to take them out of the garden because they said, you're not a provider anymore. I have the need to be the one to want to satisfy my needs. So what did God do? He still dressed Adam and Eve. Even though they no longer believed in his provision. And abundance, because that is the true nature of God. To be faithful to those He cares for. So, ever since we've been in this state of wanting, I want, I want, I need, it's a theme that it's been speaking of to the Bible that God has been speaking to us through the Bible every day. What is our need every day? What does God want to do about that? God still wants to tell him a time that he wants to eliminate the want that I want and that he wants to provide for us. And I think that it's a very uh, interesting fact that in our society, the more we have, the more we need, it's that very. Interesting. You look at the commercials on TV. every day there's something new that you need. You gotta make more money so you can buy that video game, or you can buy the new car, or you can buy the new house or you can buy the. It's always a want thing to and this pair of property is always trying to catch us. and tell us. You've me something, and what are saying to us? I am your provider. I will fulfill all your needs. All you need is me. That's why the first commitment that God said where I am your God. Beside me, there's nobody, because he is our provider. Um, but for a long time, you know, it is hard for us sometimes to understand the nature of God. That is why Jesus came. He came to destroy that false knowledge that we are always in want. And Jesus came to destroy us and say, here is the truth about God, God, that you serve. luke 18 1 10. then jesus told his
3: disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up he said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared god nor cared about men and there was a woman in that town who kept coming to him with the plea grant me justice against my adversary for some time he refused but finally he said to himself even though i don't fear god or care about men but because this widow keeps bothering me i will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming and the lord said listen to what the unjust judge says and will not god bring out justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night and keep putting them off i tell you he will see that they get justice however when the son of man comes will he find peace on the earth
0: and uh I want us to hear this parable because it's very interesting. God is very much aware that we all have justice in our life. He knows that the enemy has come and stolen from us. This is one of the reasons why God sent Jesus to do justice on this earth. So Jesus knows
1: that everything
0: in your life that you've been robbed of, All the blessings that he had and they were stolen and killed and destroyed, God wants us to take it back. And this is why he gave us this parable of this woman who came to the judge and said, Give me justice And this is not Jesus, this is what God wants us to do today. If we are in need, just like Extra. And you are saying, it's like, just go and ask for what is yours. God is willing to restore it. But we have to go and knock on the door and say, Do me justice. And God will give it back to you. I find it very really interesting that through the process of God, you can use justice. There is a little process in which you need to strip off your old clothes, take a shower, and be dressed in the righteousness of God. So this is, um, I want us to read back to the other 3. Then
3: he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuked you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. And he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. And I said, Put a clean turban on his head. So he put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. Thank you.
0: So, what is the process of getting justice? It's pretty much the metaphor of wilderness. You go through the wilderness, you get stripped off from what you leave. Because in order to receive the blessing, you need to change your mind. You are no longer in need. You go through the desert, God strips you off of everything, He washes you off, and then you enter into the promised land. And sometimes this process is a little bit difficult because we don't like it when we don't even have, and whatever we have is taken away from us. And it's not right, right? That's not justice. This is what the people in the desert went through. They hired a funders in each of their place in order to have their own property, in order to have their own title of ownership of the land, not be slaves anymore. They have to go through the desert in which God took them off of everything, Wash them off, and then they could enter into the land with a new mentality, a mentality of ownership. Not a mentality of being poor, but a mentality of being prosperous because that is who our God and our Father is. So, how do I know these promises are I feel for me today? God has not changed, not even one bit. God has never given the title of ownership to anybody. He still owes the earth. In this, Deuteronomy 10, 14 says, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. In Galatians 19.1, Hallelujah, after this I heard that what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in shouting, Hallelujah, salvation, glory, and power belong to our God. God has not given the title of ownership to anybody. Everything in earth, in heaven, and in the highest heaven still belongs to our God. Ecclesiastes five nineteen God gives any man wealth and possessions
1: and enables
0: him to enjoy him to accept his lot and be happy in his worth. This yes, is yes, of oh God. So why is it then that we walk around and we don't believe that God can bless us with favor? Because we have been deceived into believing but the enemy has still ownership of the earth. We think he has the authority. We think, we think that he has the control. And we walk around and it's like, if I pray to God, am I ever going to get it? But God wants to remind us today that he's still in charge.
1: God still has
0: the title of ownership. Jesus died so she could get the authority back and give it to us. And the Holy Spirit wants to live inside us so we can have control over this earth. Isn't that amazing? And this is the process which we have to go through. But in order to understand this, we need to change our mind. And that's why we go through tribulations, and God strips us off from what we have, so we can have something better. So where can I go to see the favor of the Lord for me in this land? Can we read Isaiah 49:8? 61. Isaiah 49. Oh, I'm sorry. Isaiah seven. One, one, three.
3: The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise, instead of the spirit of despair. You will be called Oaks of Righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. For so they will inherit a double portion in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them.
0: Isn't that awesome? The year of the Lord's favor. This is every day for us. This is what God wants to do for you and for me.
1: In Isaiah
0: 49a, he says, this is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. In the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people. To restore the land and to reassign to its desolate inheritances. This is what God wants to do. When you go through the refinement and you understand that your body is great in abundance and He wants to give you even more than what you have, you start blessing others only by being there. He wants to restore these lands. So, are you in distress? I you in the wilderness? I know a lot of us are because the economy right now is bad. But the Lord is saying, "In the time of my favor, I will answer you." Peace in the time of the favor of God for you and for me. How do you know that? This weekend we celebrate. The Jewish people celebrate Russia China. It's a celebration of the Jewish community, which celebrates the New Year. This is what they celebrate. God created the heavens and the earth. They remember how God created the heavens and the earth. They also have prayers. One of the prayers talks about Abraham. And the fact that he didn't have an offering, he had to take his own son. And he was so willing to do it because he couldn't believe he was in want. He knew God was a provider. He didn't have to kill his own son to make a sacrifice for God. God provided. And this is what I want to invite you to do today. Now we reflect today that if we have been in need, we haven't gone like Moses to say, you said I was your favorite. So give me justice. If we haven't done so, I want to invite you today that you come and as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, that you not only can do it once a year, you can do it every day. To come before Jesus and say, give me justice,
1: so that your justice goes
0: through me. And through me, you will bless this land. So I want to invite you to um, come and take communion. Um, Louis and Steve. The Lord can give us my dear, in communion. And before you come, I want you to um, meditate a little bit about the provision that God has given us. We are in the year of the Lord's favor. We are in that time in which God wants to show favor to us. Are you in need? Come and ask Jesus to give it to you. you, for your favor. If we have forgotten, Father, who you are and what your nature is, we ask for forgiveness.
1: If we haven't
0: known you yet that way, we ask that you reveal to us who you are. You still own the heavens and the earth. Everything is yours. And he said in Psalms that you take, you make the wicked amount and collect wealth. And then you take the wealth and give it to you who you like. So, Father, we come for you. wanting want for you to take out the old rags and the spirit of poverty and to dress us in righteousness and to give us justice, Father. We come before you for you to bless us. We are your people. Your inheritance. Come, Father. Change our mind. Change our point of view. Bless us in your righteousness so we can bless each earth, so we can bless our families. So we can bless
1: and we can bless
0: him as you created us in Jesus name Amen